Hello and welcome to The Crumb, a podcast from Bake From Scratch magazine. We're here to talk baking in all forms, the people, the culture, and the baked goods that make us run to preheat our oven. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Crumb. I'm Brian Hart Hoffman, the editor-in-chief of Bake From Scratch magazine. And I'm Kyle Grace Mills, the managing editor at Bake From Scratch magazine. And we're back with another Better Baking Academy with Bob's Red Mill, all on cheesecake. Oh, my gosh. This is one I've looked forward to for so long. It's literally one of the cornerstones of everything. I think that it comes to mind of of comfort to everybody. I don't think that somebody hasn't had one birthday party where that was not the cake to serve. You know, it's just celebration cake. Um, and I think it reminds you of something particularly celebratory or, you know, <laughs> one of your favorite I things. I cannot think about cheesecake without thinking about the Golden Girls. And I hope for everyone listening, you're like shaking your head. There was not a problem in life that could not be solved around the dining table with some cheesecake. I mean, the girls gathered when someone had like romantic woes, professional woes, family sadness, arguments, and the resolution was always found over cheesecake. That's that's perfect because I think that's a lesson that, you know, Golden Girls, that's why Golden Girls is timeless. That's a lesson for any age, any I mean, decade. It's just like, dun, 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 thank you for being a friend. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, right? <laughs> you can just get your cheesecake out. And then, okay. And then there's even a restaurant chain that is dedicated to the love of cheesecake. It's I'm, a factory. I know. And we could do an entire episode breaking down the menu <laughs> at the Cheesecake Factory, going into the biggest whopper of calories. It is an insane thing. That's one of my, like, I just could research that forever. But dive into the cheesecake menu there, and the flavor variations are endless. And our recipe this month for the Better Baking Academy is no less creative, but in a very simple and straightforward like we're tackling cheesecake basics with bliss mm-hmm. Does i mean that makes sense yeah and it's you know cheesecake is a custard you know don't forget that like you, you know can, i'm obsessed you know it's it, people think that cheesecake isn't a custard because of the cream cheese but with all the eggs and everything that goes into it it is a custard and so it can be overlooked what's underneath that custard which is the crust but i think the secret to our recipe is this mm-hmm. oat and um almond flour both bob's products that are just toasted and combined with some butter and sugar and just pressed into like this beautiful cookie uh i It just totally blows every other crust I've had for a cheesecake out of the water. And the beautiful thing about using Bob's Red Mill products is we have a variation for how to keep it gluten-free. So we in the the recipe we use in the module, we are using uh, all-purpose flour. However, this recipe can be made beautifully and still have the most amazing results using Bob's Red Mill one-to-one gluten-free baking flour. So for anyone listening, the possibilities are endless here, um, and this cheesecake is so delicious. As always with the Better Baking Academy, we break it down step-by-step and show you through photos, videos, podcast. I do a Zoom workshop once a month where I bake the recipe with you. We want everyone building their baking skills together, including me. I mean, I learn something every time we do a new module and a new way to approach ingredient preparation or crust flavors or how to get the perfect cheesecake without 
cracking. Yeah, and I, I think that it's always a revelation when you realize that you're making something really right. Because the first time I nailed a cheesecake, I really did have every ingredient at the perfect temperature. And it was just a breeze. And I just remember taking picture after picture of the filling that I was making. And all of them looked the same. And nobody would appreciate them. But they didn't understand. Like, that smoothness, that perfect, like, filling, it's so hard to get that if you don't have everything at room temperature. And, yeah, I high-five myself. And everybody really enjoyed the cheesecake, but they have no idea. Like, it's just that's the the most fun thing when you actually nail it because you know what you're doing. And that's what we want to do with these, you know, modules. And I think it's one of those recipes that, you know, like you mentioned earlier and like I've talked about with the Golden Girls and some other memories Cheesecake has so many iterations that people may associate. You know, my mom used to do a no-bake cheesecake when I was younger, and I would eat it with obsession. I would drive through um, a fast food chain that had cheesecake with strawberry topping in the drive-thru, and I would eat it in my car from the little plastic wedge. And then when I was a flight attendant, we served some ish cheese. I mean, I feel like I have to say ish because I'm sure it wasn't like this perfect cheesecake like we're teaching in the module. But there's such memories associated with it from the comfort. But I will tell you, after baking my first perfect cheesecake like you're talking about, there's nothing like the bliss of accomplishment with cheesecake. And then the toppings get creative. So we've got the amazing crust We've got the perfect texture of a cheesecake that I think will just take things to the next level. And then at home, you get to customize your toppings. I mean, when it's berry season, when there's just a chocolate sauce, caramel. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And today, we are so excited to have Amanda joining us from A Cookie Named Desire. She is our baking content partner for this module. And she take things. she's taking things to a whole other level with the turtle cheesecake. So without further ado, let's bring on Amanda. Hello, Amanda, and welcome to The Crumb. Hi, thank you for having me here. We are so excited to not only have you on The Crumb, but to have you as a part of our Better Baking Academy with Bob's Red Mill. And I cannot think of a better subject matter for us to be chatting about today than cheesecake. I'm obsessed with it, and I think you are too, because I just took a glance at your Instagram account right before we started this conversation, and when I saw the cheesecake brownies sitting at top of the feed, you, I knew you and I were bonded forever over this. So this is a yeah. subject matter I think we can all talk about and love. Yeah. Cheesecake's it's actually one of my favorite desserts. <laughs> And you know, so you can't, perfect for me. yeah, I, you can't like hate on anything with cheesecake or cream cheese as a part of the elements. I've been making these cream cheese stuffed chocolate chip cookies this week, and they serve that whole mm. cheesecake meets a cookie vibe. And then brownies obviously need cheesecake, and then yeah. just cheesecake needs yeah. cheesecake. <laughs> so, what? Need cheesecake with my cheesecake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Just going into it, you know, top baseline, what do you consider the ideal cheesecake? And why do you think it's such a classic recipe that all bakers should either try or get to know and love and then make it over and over and over again? Well, I mean, like I said, cheesecake is actually one of my favorite desserts. I've eaten tons of cheesecake in my life. I love when it's, you know, creamy and velvety. I mean, it should basically just melt in your mouth. And then the crust should 
you know, birth of flavor and add a bit of texture and crunch. I like a lot of flavors that play off each element of the cheesecake. Um, there should be a lot of contrast and please on texture with the elements you add to it. But a good base recipe that has a creamy filling and a fun crust is definitely a mess. I mean, I, I love baking cheesecake. I, I love yeah. that you say that, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to have just that, like, creamy texture and a base crust. You know, I think sometimes mm-hmm. as bakers, we think, oh, I need to add berries or fruit or something else into really everything. But there is something yeah. about the simplicity and deliciousness of just that classic cheesecake with a delicious crust. Um, so let's like, let's like dial it down even more. Let's talk only about crust for just a minute. I think a lot of bakers Mm -hmm. take it for granted and think, oh, it only needs to be like a graham cracker crust. And I'm here to say that is definitely not true. There are tons of options with your crust and the cheesecake and your cheesecake take a different tact with oat and almond flour in the crust. What do you think makes crust tastier and better and how many variations should people be open to trying well let's be honest i mean at least half the reason we eat cheesecake is because of how good the crust is having a crust is a critical element in a good cheesecake i mean during parker crust they're classic because they're easy and it provides a lot of depth of flavor but there's so much more you can do I love experimenting, and the oat and almond flour crust is perfect because it adds a really interesting, complex flavor that can add a whole lot in terms of texture and the final flavor profile. Because we bake the almond oat crust before we even add the cheesecake batter, it gives the crust a chance to really toast up and really enhance those flavors. I really recommend using you know, a high-quality brand like Bob's Red Mill to really get the best of both worlds of amazing flavor and awesome texture. Um, I really think this crust is amazing because it adds a little more wholesomeness than your average crust, but the taste is definitely actually a lot more decadent. It kind of tastes like a cookie, and I'm all about that. I will say when we baked off our cheesecakes and we were taking the crust out of the oven, that alone was like a pretty euphoric experience. You're like, do I really need to make the cheesecake or could I just start eating this crust? I mean, I could have just broken it up into pieces and that could have been it. But then we needed to get to the cheesecake. Yeah, Yeah, you can't forget that part. (laughs) And I love the learning about like the the notes, the flavor you get out of toasting that almond flour and the oat flour when you're baking that crust. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, like if you just kind of want to bring umph to any cookie, not just this like delicious crust, you know, toasting that flour brings a little something to it. To it and you can definitely taste it in this yeah. crust definitely so let's get into you know some of the harder parts oh, about cheese nightmare <laughs> it is the dreaded <laughs> cheesecake cracking you know that after waiting so patiently for your cheesecake to come out of the oven all that hard work and you've been so good about the temperature correctness of your ingredients you pull it out and it's cracks on the top so what are some common reasons that cheesecake crack and how can a baker you know avoid them what what can they do to try to get some insurance okay well i mean there are a few different things that uh, can go into cheesecake cracking, one of the biggest culprits is over-mixing or mixing too vigorously, because when that happens, you get a lot of air incorporated into the batter. So when the cheesecake starts baking, it starts to rise like a souffle. And like a souffle, as it cools, it starts to uh, drop down. And if any bit of the cheesecake is stuck even just a tiny bit to the sides, 
um, it'll start to pull apart and crack as it deflates. So you should only be beating your batter on medium speed only. And then I even like to let my batter rest a few minutes before pouring it into the pan. Um, there are also different culprits, like big changes in temperature. So with that, I recommend only opening the oven door near the end of the baking time and just really quickly just to check to see if it's done. I also like to leave my cheesecake door closed when I turn off the oven and let it cool down inside the oven. Uh, the Marie or water bath is also really critical. I actually recommend it even if the recipe doesn't specifically call for it. Not only does it help the cheesecake bake more evenly, it also creates a nice humid environment, which will prevent the top of your cheesecake from drying out, which can cause cracking. And with drying out and cracking, you also don't want your cheesecake to be too high up in the oven because it will cook the top of your cheesecake too fast, which can create cracks. So I recommend leaving it closer to the bottom of the oven. Not the very bottom rack, but somewhere between the middle and the bottom rack is good. And if you do all those things, I mean, you're pretty much almost guaranteed to have a pretty perfect top of your cheesecake. Even if it cracks, though, it'll still be delicious, but... <laughs> I was just going to say that with you. I was going to say all that you just said, those are perfect tips. And we employ the same tips in our cheesecake baking as well. However, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes things happen and you might have had the air bubble get stuck or just the weather that day created a crazy environment Mm -hmm. in your house or your oven. And, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you did open the door a minute too soon. But guess what? You're still going to have a delicious cheesecake. And then that's when toppings get involved. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter how it looks, how it tastes is where it really matters. (laughs) Right. The minute you cut into it. And hey, you can always take that like chef's treat slice from the area that's cracked and then present everyone else like a beautifully smooth top piece of cheesecake. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so cheesecake is on our brain. But I also want to get to something else. You have such a beautiful blog called A Cookie Named Desire. You've got to start by telling us how did you come up with the name and then what can we find on your blog that you want people to check out and bake? Um, So I have always been a bit of a theater nerd growing up. I was in drama and drama tech all throughout high school. It was sort of my thing. When I started my blog, I wanted to tie in my love of theater with the blog name. I My original concept for my blog was that I would make fun foods based off different plays. I actually never went that route with uh, my blog, uh, but that was my initial idea. So one of my favorite plays is A Streetcar Named Desire. I mean, like, I was obsessed with the screenplay and the movie. It, I was all about it. I tried uh, a couple of different names based off the theme of the play, but I finally settled on a cookie named Desire because cookies are my second favorite dessert. It's the cheesecake. Um, as for what people should really check out, I, it's kind of tough. I mean, it's like asking me to pick my favorite child. <laughs> I do have, um, <laughs> I do have a couple of cheesecake recipes on my blog that I do love. My lemon ring cheesecake is, oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, I also have a smooth cheesecake that I uh, I love it mostly because I had the idea for it back in college, but I never actually baked it until I started the blog. So it's my favorite because it was so long awaited. Um, I also recommend people check out my cookies in general. They're my sex favorite dessert after cheesecake, and there are a lot of good ones. Um, my popular ones are my homemade Milano's 
and my brown butter chocolate chip cookies. Yum. Yeah, I'm always a fan of that brown butter (laughs) chocolate chip cookie thing. It's such a simple thing to add into the formula, but to me, it always pushes it over the edge with that caramel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and then I feel like I have to have a confession. I'm going to have to watch A Streetcar Named Desire for the very first time. I have never seen it. And I feel like I just, I need to confess (laughs) it right here in the podcast so everyone listening knows that I was like, what is A Cookie Named Desire? And our team was like, (laughs) I'm guessing that it's based off of A Streetcar Named Desire. So when you just said that, everyone's Mm -hmm. head is shaking. They're like, oh my gosh, it is where she got the name. And then I'm over here going, oh my gosh, I have nothing to add to this conversation other than I'm so (laughs) glad you started something off of a play and a movie you've loved. And now I've got a, a homework project. Yeah, I, I even tried yeah, to say no Stella, fault. Stella, but he didn't. He didn't I didn't get know. It. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. You're going to love it. <laughs> well, you've given me something. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, arguably, it's probably one of Marlon Brando's best movies. I mean, a lot of people might debate me on that, but it's really great. <laughs> well, your endorsement is all I need. So it's on the list. <laughs> good good (laughs) you won't regret it so we also know that you have traveled a lot you know you lived in London during your college years and um, you traveled throughout Europe during that time can you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite things you discovered during those travels you know pastries or bakeries that you stumbled across that you just have to share with the listeners for when we can eventually get out of here (laughs) yeah I can't wait to go back I'm like aching to be on a plane again. I know, Um, right? (laughs) But you know, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't recall a lot of specific bakeries that I loved. I mean, there were just so many good, amazing places um, all over Europe and especially in London. Um, You know, I did discover that I loved a lot of the homey, rustic desserts more than anything else. Um, You know, especially because before I had an opportunity to travel, I didn't really know a ton about food or food cultures outside of my little bubble here in America. So I really ended up soaking up as much as I could during that time. Um, I was more interested in actually trying to bake these things more than um, going out and trying um, the different bakeries, uh, just because I just, I, it was a learning experience for me. And that's what I really was interested in at the time was really trying to get my hands dirty and learning from experiencing it in the kitchen. Um, I try to do as many different types of things. I mean, I'm not great at pronouncing things, so uh, bear with me, but I mean, I love making things like lucomades, which are the uh, the Greek honey donuts. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, and like mince pies, eclairs, um, uh, the pukin, which are uh, these really delicious like German holiday cookies what I'm obsessed with and um, barn brack, um, which is like a, an Irish quick bread, um, you know, at the time, again, I just really wanted to try and learn by doing. And that's what I did a lot then. I think that's great because I, I know when I travel, I don't have access to a kitchen. So all of my experiences are just trying the different places. But when you live there for a certain mm-hmm. period of time, you got to actually use the ingredients that you had in that place and uh, kind of talk to people who actually made it in the time. I think that's a yeah. that's a really fun uh, way to look at travel and eating. Yeah, it was so like I'm so honored to have been able to experience that and actually yeah, live there and 
have a kitchen to be able to experience things and learn from people who were there. I mean, I know not a lot of people can do that, uh, but it was definitely something that I feel really blessed to have been able to do. Absolutely. And I think one thing you touched on that I love and learned years ago when we did our very first um, British-themed baking issue of Bake from Scratch was when we got to London and we were talking with Ed Kimber and some of the other contributors, it became really clear that in 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 the UK and really even other countries as well, there's a very clear line between things that are commonly baked at home and then things that people turn to their bakeries for. And I don't know that it's the, mm-hmm. I don't think it feels that same way here in the US. I think we try to bake everything and go to the bakery and get everything. So I think we just have a different, you know, delineation. But they would say, oh, no, this is something like, you know, Parkin was something that Ed Kimber talked about. His mom would make Parkin or his grandmother. And then you wouldn't find it in a local bakery. You would go and find other things. And then in Ireland, you know, Gemma Stafford, she contributed a recipe for Barnbrook to the magazine. But you go to a bakery and you don't find that there. And so I love the... The very clear kind of like, these are things that people make at home and have commonly available for afternoon tea or for when guests mm-hmm. drop in. And then there's those things that you go to the bakery for. And I, I too kind of came back from that trip thinking, I want to do the things you make at home. I want to get to the bottom of these, you know, kind of handed down or more comfort, you know, bakes that that are commonly found in the kitchens across, you know, the UK, Ireland and yeah. other, you know, countries in Europe. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like that's the way that you really get to understand the culture and the people. I mean, we all say, I mean, it's all interconnected, but making the things that they make, it really helps you understand the culture a lot better, I think. I, you know, I say this commonly that that food connection, it does connect people. It breaks down barriers. It opens your mind to something else that's not a part of our everyday culture. And I think we need more of that in the world. That's how we're going to get to know each other and the flavors that, you know, represent mm-hmm. comfort and love in, in all of these really amazing yeah. places. Definitely. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, speaking of love and comfort, your turtle cheesecake is up on the top of my baking list next. So you've created something so delicious. And I know that everyone listening to The Crumb today will want to fire up their ovens and use your cheesecake tips and tricks along with your recipe to have something amazing and delicious coming out of the oven. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, thank you so much for taking time to join us on The Crumb. I know you'll be back later in the year as we continue our journey through the Better Baking Academy together, but this episode mm-hmm. has been amazing, and I'm so happy you're a part of it. Got me too. Thank you again so much for having me and uh, for letting me be a part of this. It was so much fun. Awesome. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's so great talking, opening up our morning, talking about cheesecake. I know. I, I just don't think that, th- I mean, coffees are great, but just having a chat about cheesecake improves your happiness levels, I think. It's scientific. You know what else is going to improve my happiness level? I thought of more topping ideas for cheesecake. But since I referenced strawberries earlier, I also need to mention I am unapologetically obsessed right now with roasting strawberries. And if you've never roasted strawberries to use in cakes, or I mean, the the list is endless. You could simply roast strawberries and they get nice and caramelized and concentrated flavor and bright red and just serve them over a slice of cheesecake. 
And that leftover syrup, you can take yes. that and drizzle it on top. You can mix it in with vanilla bean when you're roasting it so that it gets those vanilla flavors. That's what I do. I yeah. Hey, Lala Vanilla makes a dried vanilla bean powder, and I toss, which you could toss vanilla bean paste. I mean, you don't have to use this one, but I love this vanilla bean powder, and I toss the strawberries in it and granulated sugar and then roast them at 375 degrees for, I think, 25 minutes. But- well, you can like have a Google on that, and then you'll find a recipe. Yeah, because there will be some. Uh, There's variations. Yeah, like strawberries are a little like they can be a little watery or something yeah. like that. So you like you know keep an eye on it. But any fruit, frankly, roasted is delicious. So go crazy when you think about topping this cheesecake. Anything your heart desires. Strawberries. Yeah. Just keep thinking about strawberries, <laughs> just like me. Please, everyone. Okay. If you haven't signed up for the Better Baking Academy with Bob's Red Mill and Bake From Scratch, please visit bakefromscratch.com. Sign up. We will send you that monthly module with the photos and step-by-step instructions along with the recipe. And then don't forget to join us on Instagram TV for a video, a live workshop on Zoom that I'm teaching. We have a Better Baking Academy group on Facebook that everyone's showing photos of what they make. It's turned into such a fun community of Better Baking Academy bakers where we talk and chat and answer questions and just share photos of what we're baking. So, so many ways for you to interact with us in our Better Baking Academy. We are having so much fun and I cannot wait for next month. But in the meantime, you all have cheesecake to bake and I've got to roast some strawberries and make another cheesecake. (laughs) So we wish you happy baking and better baking with Bob's Red Mill. Have a great day, everyone. If you liked our podcast, please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about us. To keep up with all of our baking endeavors, follow our editor-in-chief and co-host, Brian, on Instagram at Hoffman. You can follow Bake From Scratch on Instagram at The Bake Feed. For online recipes and fresh baking content, go to our website, bakefromscratch.com, and sign up for our newsletter, Preheat. Finally, for in-real-life baking inspiration, grab our magazine on newsstands, or subscribe through our website. <laughs>